0: Thanking you for your word. Thanking you for your goodness and your graciousness to us. God, thanking you for the way that you have revealed yourself through your word. We ask that as we open your word today, God, that you would give us insight and guidance into this critical and, and central uh, aspect of, of an understanding of, of leadership within the church. And that God, that you would bless our church in these things. God, that you would raise up leaders among us, um, men who are willing to to serve and to shepherd, um, as we will talk about, and um, God humbly lead the church and be servants to the church. Father, we ask that as as you work through your word, God that you would bring a revival to our own hearts, that you would bring revival to our families that you would bring revival to our churches, that you would bring, bring revival to our community, that you would bring revival to our nation and to the world. God, we need a renewed sense of your presence. God, a, a renewed conviction of the truth of, of who you are and the things that you have called us to. God, a renewed energy and, and vigor um, to be about the mission that you have set us upon. God, we ask for all these things. Um, we ask that you would help us to, to give our lives um, to them, um, to your truth, to your calling, to your mission, to your church. And that we would live in a way that is both countercultural, um, but also uh, loving and reaching into the world. Um, bearing witness to Jesus Christ and carrying the gospel with us. God, that you would use that to bring people to the knowledge of your Son and to saving faith, as we always do. We pray for the churches of Blount County. We pray for our our sister churches and and of uh, of certainly Baptist churches, but we pray for for any church um, that preaches the gospel each week, who is uh, focusing their attention on Christ and all His glory. Um, in your word and all its truth. God, use those churches to to bless this community and draw people to yourself. Um, again, we thank you, Lord. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, I want to talk about um, eldership uh, tonight. Talk about sort of uh it, thematically. So we've been talking about over the last few weeks, we talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the ministry of The Son, we talked about the ministry of the Father. So we're basically saying, what do the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit do? Or at least some of the things that they do um, in our world. So thematically, we are adding in the ministry of the elders. Okay, what do elders do? Now, please do not misunderstand that I'm putting elders of the church in the category of the Trinity. That's not what I'm doing. But thematically, we're just keeping that the ministry of kind of thing. And, and what I want to do tonight is is look at that idea of so what are we talking about when we talk about elders? Because because again, I, I worry sometimes we, we, we come from a lot of different traditions in in this congregation. Um, come from a lot of different experiences when it comes to what pastoral, elder, deacon leadership looks like in the churches, and so there are these different models, and it is it is something that in the scripture there's a there's some wiggle room too. It's open to a certain level of interpretation. There are things that we can zoom in and on, on and say, yes, this is definitely a characteristic of biblical church leadership, but then there are maybe other things that we say. Uh, there 's some wiggle room there, right? There may be some ways that different denominations or churches um, have this this play out in different ways, so we 've come from lots of different backgrounds. Um, one of the things that I worry about though is this: I worry that when we think about or when some of you think about elder leadership in the church is you think of it in terms of the model that many times we see in in the Baptist world, which is you have a pastor who is a staff. Elder, and then you have a group of men around him, sometimes called elders, sometimes called deacons, um, but who basically the role that they play is sort of an advisory council, all right, to the pastor. And so the pastor ends up being the only true pastor-elder in the church, and these men who have who have been appointed around him are sort of his advisory board. That's not, I think, the best picture of what biblical eldership and pastoral leadership look like, right? Um, as far as I can tell, um, all the elders are doing the same work. If you were an elder in the church, you are doing the same kinds of things, okay? And and as we've talked about in in before, elder is a synonymous word for pastor. So again, if you see in your head, if you're thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I see how eldership works. Ash is the pastor at this church, but then other men may end up being the elders of this church, and, and Ash does the pastoral stuff, and the elders do some kind of other thing. I want you to think, starting off, you're wrong, okay? Because there's no distinction there. Pastors are elders, okay? And they do the same kinds of work. Now, having said that, It's also probably important to say the extent to which an elder does those things of pastoral leadership are a function of at least two things, and those would be gifting and vocation. So what, again, I mean by that is, so if, if I am the, if, if I am a staff elder, you would call, if I'm a paid vocational elder in our church and someone else is a non-paid, um, elder in our church, a layman elder in our church, all right, um, we will be doing the same kinds of things. The same things will be expected of both of us, but the extent of those things may be different. And again, because of at least two different reasons, one gifting and one vocation. Gifting We're all better at some things than other people are, right? And so there may be things that I'm better at and that they're better at, and I may end up doing more of and they may end up doing less of. Moreover, vocation, the fact that I am paid by the church to do certain things, um, also influences this stuff. I'll certainly have a greater responsibility because this is my daily in and out work, right? Um, I'm, I'm doing this full time. Whereas uh lay elders will they are they obviously have other jobs, they have um other responsibilities, and so they will be doing these tasks of eldership in a in a um not quite a full time kind of capacity. Okay. But but what I want to get across to you is this we're doing the same things. Okay, so in your head, don't say, Yeah, yeah, well there's there's Ash is the pastor and these other people who are elders. No, we are all pastors. And we are all elders. If there are men who are nominated and confirmed and ordained by our church as elders, then they are in the same position that I'm in. Okay. Again, that's something that I want to emphasize because I don't think most of the time we think that way because we didn't come from churches that were that way. We kind of had, there's, there's a, there's a distinction there. There's, well, there's the guys that get paid to do these things and then there's the guys that don't. And those are two different levels. I don't think there's a distinct distinction there um, that we can make scripturally. So Peter starts out this passage, verse five. So I exhort the elders among you as, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So Peter's saying, I'm speaking to elders. I am an elder. This is a pastor elder speaking to pastor elders. In our in our focus, there's again, like any passage, there's a lot of different things that we could pinpoint on and zoom in on. But we're going to be talking about this sort of general idea of the ministry of elders. What are they doing? We get some we get some indications of that in this passage. So verse two is where it begins. What do elders do? Verse two, they shepherd the flock of God that is among you. They shepherd the flock of God, okay? That word shepherd, which in Greek is poimen, so hold on to that idea that there's a word for shepherd, poimen, is the same word that basically we give to the word pastor. There's only like, I can't remember, I'd have to go back and look, but there's like one or two places in the Bible where that word is translated pastor. Almost everywhere else, it's it's translated shepherd. A pastor is a shepherd. The words are interchangeable. Okay? In fact, we use the word pastor so often to define the role of leadership in the church that it almost, the reason why we use it so often is because it is so central to the job of what this person does. Okay? There are other words that we could use. We could use the word presbyteros which is the word that gets translated elder, okay? We could use the word episkopos, which is the word that gets translated overseer. And both of those are important and have their own emphases, right? But because the work of shepherding is so important, that becomes the de facto title for the, the ordained position of leadership in the church. All these elders, all these overseers, Are pastors. That's what they are. Okay? They are shepherds of the flock. We notice a pastor uh, does something. He tends his congregation. Okay? He does this in such a way that he he the illustration is clear. The way a shepherd tends his sheep, a pastor shepherds his congregation. That's certainly why God gives us that illustration. So he does certain things, and so we can make an analogy, right? We can say, how do what do shepherds do with their flocks and what do pastors do with their congregations? Well, so for one, shepherds see to the feeding of their flocks. They're responsible for making sure their flocks get fed. By the same token, the pastor is responsible for his congregation being fed through the teaching and preaching of the word. So that's the first thing that you need to think. Are there, I would say this, and again, this is something that different churches disagree on, but I'm telling you what I think. Are all pastors, teachers, or preachers? And the answer is yes. That is one of the essential functions of a pastor-elder. There's no such thing as pastor elders who do not and certainly no such thing as ones who cannot teach and preach. They all do. It's just part of the job. It'd be like saying, well, you, you're a shepherd, but you don't actually ever feed your sheep. Nope. There's no such thing. You're not a shepherd. then. You're just some dude that walks around with sheep. You're not a shepherd, okay? Because shepherds tend, feed their sheep, okay? The word of God is what nourishes God's people. Just as Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, pastor elders are responsible for feeding their people the word of God. So as we mentioned before many times, the only skill that is mentioned in the qualifications for elders found in Timothy and Titus, the only skill is the ability to teach. Everything else is a character trait, And then, and then the idea of being able to manage your family well is sort of a a a trait in a in a proving ground or something like that. But the only skill that you're you're you have to have is the ability to teach. Second Timothy four verse one: I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is the Judge of the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. This is Paul talking to pastors. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, with complete patience and teaching. So, being a teacher first involves growing personally in a knowledge and understanding of, of um, God's word. So, what does that mean? Elder pastors are going to be learners. They're going to be readers. They're going to be listeners. They're going to be studiers. Okay, we don't expect anybody as a pastor or elder to know everything when they start because nobody at any point would know everything. You need to be a grower in the things of God. But not only are you a learner, you have to be a teacher. An elder or pastor is going to teach. So again, some traditions, some other denominations have a, have a distinction made between elders that teach and then elders that just just uh, rule in some way. But I don't think that's the best way of, of seeing a distinction there. All elders and pastors are to teach. Maybe from the pulpit, maybe from a class, discipleship, small group, some kind of, you know, seminar or something, but they all teach. If you're not teaching, then you're not an elder. Again, you may be doing all kinds of good work in the church. You may even be ministering to the church in certain ways. In fact, that's what maybe some of the distinction that we would make between the role of a deacon and an elder. If you're not teaching, then you're not doing the work of a pastor, elder, overseer. Okay? Um, And not just sort of generic teaching, um, not dispassionate teaching, but a pastor... A shepherd, another thing that he does is he protects. So what do shepherds do with their flocks? They keep the wolves away, right? They do things to protect their flocks from outside dangers. That's what shepherds do, and it's what pastors do for their churches. The shepherd protects his sheep from wolves and other predators. Right? David models this in the Old Testament. David is a shepherd. A lion or a bear threaten his flock. David intervenes, fights them off with his bare hands. The wolves that threaten God's flock, though, are not wolves and bears in a physical sense, but they are false teachers and false teachings. And that's exact the exact language that Paul uses as he admonishes the elders at the church of Ephesus in Acts 20. So he says this in Acts 20, pay careful attention to yourselves. Therefore be alert. So this is Paul's warning to the elders at Ephesus. As soon as I'm gone, there are going to be people that come in and start teaching you false things. Elders at Ephesus, you have to be on guard against this. So that's part of the job of eldership. It is, it is the, um, it is the, the job of protecting by rebuking and correcting that which is false. Again, we talk about all kinds of different things here. We talk about the idea of triage where we say there are certain doctrines that are non-negotiable and there are other ones that there's some wiggle room on and there's some that we don't really know the answers to and you can believe a lot of different things on, right? But that's part of the process of being a protector in this thing is is to know when something that is being contested is of which category and how to respond to those things, That's part of the deal. That comes with that knowing God's word and being continually fed and continually growing in God's word. So again, that means that elders are going to say hard things and have hard conversations with people. It doesn't mean that you will go, Oh, cool. I'm just a lay elder. So like Ash can have all these hard conversations with somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, It means you're going to be one of the people who goes and has these hard conversations who risks stepping on toes because elders correct. Sometimes they even rebuke. Again, not out of some kind of arrogance, not out of a desire to dominate, but to show protective concern because that's what the job of a pastor shepherd is, to sound the alarm as a watchman against danger when it shows up. That protective care And concern extends not only to those at risk from outside enemies, the teaching of the world, but also to those who potentially would hurt the church from the inside. And just from the regular difficulties of life that come along, right? There's a certain level of protecting that doesn't even have to do with these doctrinal issues. There's just the idea of saying, man, we are here for you. We know that there are difficult things going on in your life, and we want to be a help and a support to tend and protect in those times to the best of our ability. So along that same idea, somebody who comes along shoulder to shoulder with you, who puts their arm around you, um, who is there for you in difficult times, that comes to this another idea of what do shepherds do is they care for the sick. Okay, they care for the hurting. They care for those who have fallen along the wayside. There is a a, an image that we see all through the Bible of the shepherd walking back to the flock with the lamb over his shoulders. Right. The lamb who has gotten lost, the lamb who has gotten hurt and the shepherd has left the ninety nine and gone to the one and picked that one up and put it on its own shoulders and walked it back to the flock to be cared for and taken care of, okay? That is on a spiritual level, and it's on a physical level. So certainly spiritual sickness is something that elders care for. And that can be difficult because, man, we don't always know what's the best way to help folks in different situations. But we certainly have a responsibility to that. But we also have a responsibility to um, care for those who are physically ill. So, like hospital visits are a thing um, in eldership, right? It's just something you do. Uh, Greg Long, the the pastor of Mother Church, is the king of this. Okay, I'm telling you, man. There's nobody that I've ever known who is better at it than him. He has a he has a almost supernatural chaplain heart. He can walk into a room of a person he has never met who will be dead in 10 minutes. And there is an ease of conversation and a delivery of truth and care that like I would just be dumbfounded if I walked into that room. OK, now, again, saying that I'm not saying that we're all going to be great at this. I'm not saying it's not weird and awkward and difficult in those situations. I'm not saying there are people who are naturally better at it and supernaturally better at it. But it's a function of what we do. Shepherds care for the hurting, the sick, and their flock. Pastors care for the hurting and sick, sick spiritually and physically in their congregations. Uh, James zooms in on this specific thing. Is anyone out there suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Then let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. All right. There's a promise there in James. There is a call to some, a kind of chaplain ministry. And there is also a promise there. I can say, I, I this isn't in the notes, but I'll say it, um, cause it just popped into my head. Christy, um, uh, you know, she's got uh, a chronic uh, ulcer colitis issue. Um, she dealt with it for years, and there was no help for it, right? She just – she had hospital visits and different things that were going on. You know, we finally said we were like, you know, the, the Bible says we're supposed to go to the elders and get them to pray. Well, why don't we do that? Well, God tells us to do it. We've been praying about it personally. Why don't we actually do what the Bible tells us to do? So we did. And guess what? Soon after that, she started taking a medicine that even the doctors said miraculously uh, put her illness into remission. Okay, so again, if you're if you're a secular person, you'd go, "Ah, oh, see, she took the right medicine and it fixed everything." And I would say, "God used that medicine, I'm sure." Okay, but it is it was interesting the timing of all of it, right? How when we did what God told us to do, God answered the prayer through other means. Again, I can't promise that that will be the case in every single situation. God's will is God's will, but it it happened to us, and so that's our job as pastor elders to care for the sick. Again, some people might see that more as a deacon role, that we're meeting physical needs or something like that, and which we've we've talked about before when we've talked about the role of deacon. But the care and certainly the spiritual vulnerability that comes from situations of illness. Are opportunities for the pastor, man. It's a it's a good and important thing for pastors to be there at those moments. Because in those moments of illness, um, there can be a a unique vulnerability to the Holy Spirit speaking to people, and pastors can can be an agent of that. So that's that's awesome. And we want to be a part of that. Fourth thing, and again, this is not a complete list, but it's just some things that, that are obvious to us. Pastor elders pray. Pastor elders pray for their churches and their people. So again, in Acts 6, we see that prayer and the ministry of the Word are the special focus of what we think are analogous characters to elders in the very earliest moments of the church, in the very earliest weeks and months of the church, there are these that the apostles are functioning as the elders of the congregation, and they are set apart to prayer and to ministry of the word. And so shepherds pray for their sheep. Daily, they entrust their flocks to God. They ask that God would bless them. They ask God would give them guidance to the individual members of the, of the flock and to the pastor to guide the flock because there are any number of forces at any moment of the day that could come in that are completely beyond the ability of the pastor elder to stop, right? All kinds of circumstances in life, all kinds of Crazy things like I've shared with y'all in recent months and and really over the last about six months to a year of all the garbage that has happened in people's relationships who are close to me. And so many of them just seem like to come out of nowhere. Right. Like people just walking along and all of a sudden one day it's like the whole thing is blown up. And I go, how did this happen? It's not like it's some situation where you saw it coming, where somebody was walking down a dark path for years and years and years. And, of course, this was the outcome. And these things sneak up on them. And they blow up out of nowhere. And so there's things that we can't control and the pastor can't control. that are going on in the life of of their flock. But you know what? We can go to God with those things. We can say, God, will you protect my people from these things? Will you give me insight into how to minister to them and to take care of them and to uh, to to prepare them and all these different things? So that's four things, right? And again, while a primary descriptor of what pastor shepherds are supposed to do is that word shepherd, right? It gives us a lot of content about what we're supposed to be doing as pastor elders. There are other titles that give illustration too. So that's, That word, going back again, "poiman," pastor, is not the only word that's used to describe this role. There are other words like this word that we see in verse two. This idea of oversight or an overseer. Again, that Greek word being "episkopos." It's where we get the, the term for the Episcopal Church. It's an overseer. Okay, what does it say in the sort of middle part of verse two? Exercise oversight. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So we can think of at least two areas of oversight. So, again, looking out, saying, Ash, when we have other elders in this church, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to shepherd the flock. That's going to be part of what they do. But another part of what they're going to do is they are going to give oversight to the church. And that's at least two things again. That is doctrinal oversight, which we've kind of already talked about. And it's administrative oversight to the church. So one, they're going to judge doctrinal issues. We see examples of this all through the New Testament. Sometimes teachings are obviously false. Sometimes they're obviously out of bounds. I've told you the story of a a woman at the mother church who was very involved in lots of things for years. And then one day she was in a Sunday school class and somebody made a comment about Jesus being God. And she said, wait a minute. Jesus isn't God. And they said, yeah, he is. It's the Trinity. And she said, I don't believe that. I've never believed that. And we were kind of like, well, I don't know where you've been for this whole time, right? Okay. Sometimes it's obvious that somebody will say something and you just go, yeah, 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 that is obviously out of bounds. And we don't even really have to talk about it much. Like there's there's not much explanation that has to happen. But you know what? Sometimes there's issues that are a lot more delicate and nuanced than that. Sometimes those questions are more uh, need more discussion. It needs, you know, that is the task of the elders to arbitrate that, to investigate that, to give doctrinal oversight to those issues and try to figure them out. A great example of this is in the Bible, the, the Jerusalem Council. Okay? So in the very earliest days of the church, The gospel is going out and Gentiles are getting saved. But these Gentiles aren't living the way the Jews live, right? They're not starting to practice all the kosher laws and they're not getting circumcised and they're not doing all the things that Jews are supposed to do. What are we going to do about this? Those are good things, right? Yes. But the Gentiles aren't doing them, right? But they're still filled with the spirit and saved by Christ, right? What do we do? Well, the church elders got together and had a council. And basically parsed this thing out, and and what they determined at the end was, if the spirit has come to these people and they have been saved and been changed by Christ, then they are real Christians. Even if they are not, they've not followed all the the the, the uh, Levitical kind of laws and stuff like that. Okay, that's the kind of thing that might go on, and that's the job of of pastor elders to oversee doctrinal issues, discipline issues, all of those things. But also, they are there administratively to manage the church in a lot of different ways. Now, there could be other people who are part of this, too. People who are in the role of deacon could certainly be a part of this stuff. We don't appoint deacons because it's sort of like pastors like, man, I don't want to have anything to do with this. It's not my problem. That's not my job. That's not what we're talking about. Elders are certainly involved in the administrative function of the church. Again, there may be some deacons who are more focused on certain issues of those things, practical ways of serving the church, but it's still part of the job of the elders to be there. There's a beautiful picture again in John chapter 21, mixing these illustrations, where Jesus is talking, and he's talking, he's using the illustration of shepherding again, But he's also using an interesting kind of play on languages to, to, to make that more multifaceted. So it's a passage again, you're probably familiar with. It says, when Jesus had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do, uh, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, so John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him this a third time. He said, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Okay. So what he does here is this, this interesting thing. Peter, remember the story, has denied Christ three times. This is the morning after the crucif- crucifixion um or or the morning after the resurrection um Jesus gives Peter the opportunity to affirm his love for him but then he gives him a job he says i need you to take care of the flock but it's a threefold commission and it uses different words so there's this word lamb he uses which means little sheep right there's another word that is, is probaton, which indicates grown sheep. And there's these different words for feed, bosco, poimeno, to tend, to take care of. Because okay, so what is, you're saying, well, cool. Ash, that's a bunch of random Greek words. What does that mean? What I'm saying is it's, it's a multifaceted picture where he is saying, whether it is the young, whether it is the old, whether it is the inexperienced or whether it is the mature. I want you to feed them. I want you to tend them. I want you to take care of them. I want you to pastor them, right? There's this multifaceted overseer, pastor elder picture that, that is implicit in those terms that, that Jesus is using with John. Jesus combines them all in slightly different ways, emphasizing, Teaching in general and teaching in specific, not only to the young, but to the immature, but to the seasoned and experienced. That's what it means to be a pastor overseer. Okay. And again, no distinction between the two. We don't have pastors and then overseers and then elders. We have pastor overseer elders. They're the same thing. And it's pretty central, this overseeing role and what they do. It's pretty sensitive. That's why I think, what does he say after that? You're going to be involved in some pretty sensitive stuff if you are overseeing the doctrinal problems of the church. If you're overseeing the administrative functions of the church, you're going to be on the inside of some pretty sensitive things. But you know what that means? Uh, there's a specific warning in verse 2. What does he say? Don't do this under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Don't do this for shameful gain, but eagerly. So if you're somebody who has... A problem with either doing things out of guilt or doing things by domineering. Or if you got a problem with misusing the things you are entrusted with, then you should probably should not be an elder. You should pass on that. Okay. If you know that is something in your character, when somebody recommends you for elder and I say, Hey, we think about that. You should go, no, I don't think that's, right. I'm not that person because there are going to be unique dangers unique temptations that come to your life by being an overseer of God's doctrinal truth and the administration of his, of his people. Men who can be trusted with the difficulties and the temptations that come along with this work should be entrusted with it. That's a big piece, obviously, Men who demonstrated this, this, these, these different characteristics and aptitudes and character qualifications for these things, right? But the main way that we see them lead and act these things out, the way, main way that a pastor pastors, or maybe a better way to say it is the main way that he teaches these things is that he lives them out in his own life. So verse three, so it says not domineering, Over those in your charge, but what being examples to the flock? So notice the wording: not domineering, but being an example; not leading by force as a function of some sort of official power; not leading by coercion or manipulation. That's what you're going to do. Man, we've we've there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of years about spiritual abuse and spiritual manipulation. In in the church. That's how you're leading. You are not leading the way God has called you to in terms of eldership. No, they lead by living the life they are asking others to live. Does that make sense? They are saying simply this. The elder is one who leads from the front. Okay? They go out front. Um, you guys know that I love uh I'm history buff, I love Scots Irish history particularly because it's 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 part of my heritage or whatever. There's a cool thing in Scots Irish history that you find a tradition of of chieftain warrior kings and leaders who who go out front with their men, right? You know, the tradition of the kings of Europe is the king sit back and let Let their soldiers do all the fighting. They're sitting up on a hill watching the battle as it goes. But all those names that you know from the movies like William Wallace and Robert the Bruce and stuff like that, these are men who said, no, I'm going to be on the front lines with these guys. I'm going to be in the thick of it. I'm going to be the one who leads the charge because that's what leadership looks like. That's what real leadership looks like, these warrior kind of chieftains. And that's what we want as elders in the church. Okay, We want people who are saying, not do what I say because I'm an elder, but follow my life. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to do these things. Come alongside and do the same things that I do. As Paul says, and man, this is a scary thing to say, but imitate me as I imitate Christ. Again, that's scary to say. Like, I feel unworthy to say that a lot of times. I would rather just say, no, just go imitate Christ. But Paul demonstrates the fact that there's a, There is a right way in which leaders and elders in the church say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow my example as I am following Christ's example. If I'm not following Christ's example, don't follow. But if I'm following Christ's example, then come along. Get on board with this. Stepping out first, doing the difficult, awkward thing, the inconvenient thing, the sacrificial thing. Elders don't go with the flow. Like elders are setting the pace for everything else. Elders aren't looking at a situation and saying, well, I'm doing just enough so that nobody will think I'm not doing my job, right? That's not, that's not the way you think of it. Elders are the ones who are living and serving it in such a way to encourage people up to a new standard. And again, humbly, we fail, I fail at that every day in a thousand ways, okay? But that's the goal. That's the ideal that we are shooting for. And again, we do this and, and it's 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 interesting that the very next passage is about humility, because, man, this is a the guy that I just described is a hardcore dude. Right, man. He is he is a, a, this, a warrior chieftain. Right. That should just set the bar. Like there some of y'all got like you got hyped when I said that. You're like, yeah, that's what I want to be. I want to be a warrior chieftain, Ash. And then other of y'all were like, I don't. That sounds a little too high a bar, right? I'm not sure if I'm quite ready for warrior chieftain. I'm just trying to be like a dad and a neighbor right now or whatever. Um, but the very next section kind of gives us some of the, it, it tempers that, right? Verse four, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Again, man, the task of eldership is daunting to the point that it will run most people off. I think that's part of the problem. I've talked about this before. It's part of the problem with the church. We have this idea that the only people who could ever be pastor elders are somebody who was like on the road to Damascus and the clouds opened up and Jesus came down and blinded them and knocked them off their horse. And that's the only way you could ever be a pastor is, is if you had this crazy kind of experience. And, man, here's the deal. There are those crazy experiences in the Bible. But when you read the descriptions of the characteristics and qualifications for elders in the Bible, you see none of that. Okay, this is a function of faithful, humble, sacrificial servant leadership, right? Seeking after God and being willing to put yourself out front and lead by example. And again, we do that in humility, knowing that we're all going to mess up in a hundred different ways. But the central thing that we see here is that the shepherd realizes that he is a leader, but he's not the leader. He is a servant, but he is not the ultimate servant. He is a shepherd, but that is only a under He is not the chief shepherd. The elder submits to the headship of Christ in all of these things. He recognizes that any authority that he has is a contingent authority, right? It's a leadership as a lieutenant, not as a captain. That any sacrifice or difficulty that he takes on as an elder pastor pales in comparison to the sacrifice that Christ has already accomplished. And so we ask others to follow us as we follow Christ wherever he goes. And man, I love Jesus' words to Peter in the Gospel of John again, in that same chapter 21 that we were in just a second ago with 10 to my Lambs section, where Jesus says this to Peter, John twenty one, eighteen, he says, Truly, truly I say to you, When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. All right. What is that talking about? Like at first you read it and you're like, Oh yeah, it's talking about when you're too old and you can't like bathe yourself and you can't dress yourself. And you need somebody to help you. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is Jesus is saying, you know what? When you were a young man and you were not, uh, one of my apostle, pastor, elder, teachers, <laughs> you just did whatever you wanted to. You lived how you wanted to. You went where you wanted to. You made your own decisions. But when you give your life over to the ministry of the church, That's not the case anymore. You're not that guy anymore. Someone is going to take you by the hand, and that person is Jesus. And Jesus is going to lead you places you don't want to go. He's going to take you places that you wouldn't have gone on your own. You wouldn't have gone to that hospital visit just on your own, right? You would have said that's somebody else's job. But you're going to go now because Christ is going to lead you there to minister, even when it's not what you would have done on your own. He's going to give you your marching order. Jesus has lived that life of true leadership, of perfect obedience, perfect service, perfect sacrifice, taking responsibility and ownership, stepping up, laying down his life, loving his flock. Like we could use any of those phrases. He's accomplished these things already perfectly. He imputes that accomplishment to us in terms of our, our sanctification. But now he calls us to receive those things, but also to live them out. To be men who are ready to say, I will step up into those roles. It's a noble task, right? It's something that is important. It's something that the church is supposed to have. So the fact that I am the only pastor elder of this church is biblically an aberration. It should not be that way. And so we need men who are willing to step up and to live faithfully um, and to live lives as as ordained elders, pastors. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to the Lord in a time of prayer. I know it's sort of an abrupt ending because what I want you to think of and why I'm talking about it is over the next couple of months, probably some people will start to um, nominate people for eldership. You'll send me an email. I keep on meaning. I haven't gotten it yet, but I'm going to get like one of those little sort of like a little voting box. We're going to put it out here, and it's going to have a little piece of paper, and it's going to say, what's your name? Who are you nominating? And do you have any comments that you'd like to say? You're going to fold that in half, and you're going to put that in there. Those will be confidential. I won't share those with anybody. Um, I do want to know who you are and, and who's recommending them and stuff like that. And that could be important. If I get like 50 nominations for one person and it's all their wife, you know, or whatever, like I'll be like, Oh yeah, I wish I'd known that all 50 of them were your wife putting them in there multiple times. So put your name on it. Um, but, but what I want you to do is, is this is what we're looking for, right? This is just the beginning of the standard that we're setting. And so if you're like going, oh yeah, I'm going to nominate my husband because I think it'd be cool for him to be able to tell people that he was an elder, right? That's not a good reason. Um, that's not why you would want to do this. But if you think someone in our church um, is, is already living like this in many ways and would be somebody who would be faithful to step fully into that role, then, then I encourage you to, to share that name with me. Doesn't mean that they'll end up being an elder necessarily. There's a hundred different steps between them and between that nomination and process, but it will be a beginning step. And so this sermon was basically just to kind of remind you of some of those things. What are we looking for? What are we shooting for? What kind of person um, will make a faithful elder and what are they going to be doing? Cool. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, asking God to do these things in our church, asking God to send us these people, to develop these people among us, to grow them in in our congregation, to raise them up, um, to minister to them, to help them to grow into these positions. Again, that's part of been part of our issue all the time is we none of us are particularly eld, Right. We need elders and none of us are particularly ill. And so that's a problem. Being eld doesn't necessarily mean maturity in the faith, but it, 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 it tends toward it. Okay. Being young in the faith doesn't mean immaturity in the faith, but it certainly tends toward it. Okay. And we got a bunch of just barely not young, right? Okay. And so that's kind of what we're working with. So we're going to see what God does and how he uses those things. So let's pray. Ask God to bless, ask God to work in these things and and to uh give us the things that He has commanded us to have, which is a plurality of elders who are living leading by servant hearted and sacrificial example. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, you are good and gracious to us. You are a father to us. You lead and guide us as a father. Father, we ask that you would raise up spiritual fathers within our church, spiritual elders, spiritual pastors, um, men who are willing to shepherd the flock, to feed them, to protect them, to care for them, to pray for them, to lead by example, to manage the affairs of the church. God, to give oversight to the doctrinal and disciplinary issues of the life of the church. God, men who are humble and who recognize their under-shepherdness, the fact that they are not the ultimate shepherds of the flock, but that you, Jesus, are the chief shepherd, and that they serve under you And while being shepherds, are at the same time sheep, that they are part of your flock and sit under your great pastoral guidance. Father, we need this in our church. You have commanded this in all your churches. And so, Father, we count on you to raise men up to fill these roles. Father, help us to judge wisely on these issues. God, help us to work and teach and act in such a way that these men are nurtured and built up into these roles. God, we ask that you would just work among us and do all the the myriad things um, that we have not even thought of. To bring these things to fruition, we thank you, we praise you, we ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Please stand and sing the
1: closing song. Sure. <laughs> In the call of my star now. Oh, say that they are strong in the strength of God that God has made. Shield of faith and build of truth will stand against the devil's eyes. Is uh, reaching down to the top is low, but to reach up is the gap. They so live we will find you in faith and faith. The face which God puts on every side, we know the outcome is of yours. It's for which he died and in him the sense of man. Remember, see Thee, as the sun of God is treading See this foe, so it's pinning His feet, for the pompour has risen. As a storm is rolled away, in Christ's image is from all the grace. If you spill the day, every eye of the heart shall see. Spirit of God, pray that every stride give grace for every every day. In the of a thanks of so still I'm a, his Good for the for
0: Amen. Uh, good to see you tonight. Hope you have a great, uh, week. Um, here's benediction as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Turn his face towards you. Give you peace. We'll see you next week.
1: Mm-hmm. You're